0: We're pretty, much, we're pretty much staying in line, pretty much verse by verse through these three chapters. And it's called Kingdom Manifesto, which is, this is one of Jesus' earliest and longest recorded sermons. And what he's doing is establishing what it actually means to be a follower of Jesus. Jesus was performing a lot of miracles and he was doing a lot of things that were attracting a lot of people. You know, and, and how many of you know whenever there's like a new thing going on, a lot of people wanna be on board with that, all right? Like the, you got like a new mu- musical artist and they, they're like hitting it big, and everybody's excited about that new artist. And then after three years, they're like big, and people don't care as much. And then everybody feels like they're entitled and whatever, but and then they want a new, like, underdog kind of story. And, and, and that kind of happens all, it's sort of like football. You know, Dallas Cowboys used to be at the top, and now they're underdogs. <laughs> Because they've been won forever, right? So it's like all of a sudden you start rooting for the guy, you know, and then then, like the Cincinnati Bengals, everybody's excited about them, right? Well, give it like five years whenever they just continue to win because Joe Burrow cannot lose. You know what I'm saying? Um, Go Tigers. And eventually people will start rooting against who used to be the underdog. I kind of see that at work here with Jesus. He comes on the scene and he's speaking with such authority and he's performing miracles and everybody's excited about it. But as he continues on in his ministry, he begins to say some things that people aren't very appreciative of. And some of those things start right here, where he starts drawing some lines in the sand, sand about what it actually means to be what we call a Christian or a disciple of Jesus, a follower or a student of Jesus. And uh, not everybody's excited. He's got Jews in the crowd. He's got Gentiles. He's got religious leaders in the crowd who have a lot to lose if Jesus wins, okay? And so there's a lot of people who feel threatened. But again, Jesus is drawing lines in the sand. And so we've been walking through these scriptures slowly, uh, trying not to skim over the top of them too much. Because like we do, we like to skim over scriptures that we don't quite understand. And so we're digging kind of deep in here. And... uh, Jesus has been explaining how his followers are to live this life, Uh, righteous living, holy living um, with proper motives, and uh, uh, now he's going to begin to talk about trusting him, really trusting him. And a lot of us say we trust God, uh, but you know, trust isn't trust until trust is tested. It's kind of like faith. Faith isn't faith until faith is tested. It's sort of like love. Love isn't love until love is tested. You know, uh, you find out how much you love somebody whenever you go through really hard times. (laughs) You know, how committed you are. And Jesus is like, okay, you guys say you're with me, but are you really with me? And last week we talked about the heart of devotion, which was a desire for money. Uh, We talked about the desire for money and how it's rooted in the desire for security and or control. A lot of times when somebody wants money, okay, they're, de- they're desiring money. A lot of times they're just really wanting security or control over their circumstances because money tends to do that. And so, um, you know, the Bible says that the, the love of money is the root of all evil. Uh, it's, this, it's this desire for control, this desire for security that can lead us into to dangerous things. And uh, so last week was heart of devotion. This week we're going to talk about the heart of trust. And Jesus talks about anxiety anxiety. Which is often rooted in fear of losing security or control in our circumstances. And he's really, overall, he's combating materialism. He's talked about, uh, we talked about generosity a few weeks ago, right? Uh, And and whenever you're generous, you sort of are tempted to clench your fists around whatever it is that you're, you know, maybe God's leading you to be generous with. And we're supposed to live open-handed. But yet at times, why? Why do we close our fists? Because we might be a little bit scared that we might lose security or lose control. And then he moves into talking about money overall, that desire for money and how we can't serve two masters. Because if we serve a master that's not ourself, we have to trust that master to provide for us and to lead us properly. And, uh, and now we get into these needs, our essential needs. Now, I wanna say this really quick before we get into the, the message. Today, we're gonna to be talking about anxiety. And right up front, I just wanted to I felt like I needed to kind of say this before we really get going whenever we talk about anxiety anxiety is one of those words that we use in our culture um, and and some people are just referring to a general maybe an anxiousness or a nervousness around a situation and other people are referring to a disorder something that's much more uh, maybe more serious or long-going and so I want you to know fr- first off that I'm not being insensitive whenever I speak about anxiety today. Um, and, and we'll kind of get into exactly what I mean in certain spots. But I just want to throw it out there because, because, you know, mental health and emotional health, uh, there still is a stigma around it with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, if I've got a broken leg and I've got some issues with my leg, it's pretty obvious. It's physical. You can see it. I'm limping. But whenever we have emotional or, or mental you know, health issues, Uh, sometimes we can begin to fall into condemnation or guilt or shame because of those things because maybe it's not as understood. Okay, So I don't want you to feel like uh, I'm I'm, I'm throwing something out there that's being insensitive or uncaring, but we're going to read the scripture and then uh, provide some clarity around what it is that Jesus is talking about because even in spite of all of the issues that we are all dealing with, Jesus is still saying something that we need to hear and we need to apply about this issue of anxiety. So let's kind of jump into chapter 6, verse 25 says this, it says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious or uh, do not be overly or, or anxiously concerned about your life. Now we could stop right there and be very frustrated about that statement alone. You ever heard somebody just say, man, just don't worry about it. You're like, dude, shut your mouth, man. You know what I'm saying? If you were in my shoes, you'd be anxious too, you know, but right off the bat, Jesus is like, therefore, I tell you, Hey, don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Thank you, Jesus. For saying these words, compare me to a bird, you know? Don't be anxious. Je- Jesus is speaking about anxiety surrounding our needs being met. Now, one thing I want to do is bring a little bit of clarity to the words that we use. Uh, we, we have two words that we almost use synonymously in our, in our terminology nowadays. is stress and anxiety. And I want to bring a little bit of delineation, although there is overlap to these words. I want to bring a little bit of delineation between these two words. So the first is stress. Stress is the soul and body's response to changes in our environment and circumstances. All right? Stress is normal, by the way. Every single one of us have stress in our life. But did you know that stress, first off, is actually necessary? You need a little bit of stress in your life to keep you moving. People are like, I don't want any stress in life. Well, man, imagine a, like a tent. You know, a tent is held up by tension. Okay, our lives are held up by tension. Guess what? You get up every day to go to work because you know if you don't go to work, eventually you're not going to have money to eat. So you need a little bit of kick in the butt in order to get out of bed. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, you better get up and go to work. So there is a, a, a normal, uh, a beneficial amount of stress in our life, and it's caused by these external circumstances or changes in those circumstances as well. So, but there's a normal level. But then as you progress, you have anxiety on the other hand. This is defined by persistent excessive worries that don't go away, even in the absence of a stressor. Have you ever had anxiety? You're feeling something like tension and you start thinking about what's causing that and you can't figure out what's causing that because you literally don't have anything in your life that should be causing that. You really are, you're processing and you're like, I don't really know why I'm still feeling this way you might be experiencing anxiety, not just mild stress, but extensive, maybe long-term stress. And now it's it's beginning to become an anxiety issue in your life. And anxiety is when you look at this stressor also from the worst case scenario. The other day, uh, we have a four-year-old daughter. And when she was a year-ish, somewhere up in there, we noticed that her eye was, it seemed like her eye was kind of going in a little bit. And, uh, and so we took her to the doctor about maybe a year and a half or so. And uh, she was about a year and a half old. And we went to the doctor, and they referred us to an eye specialist. And um, he said, oh, no, everything's good. Good. She knows. She, he did some tests. And he's like, she's just got a little, like a little fat nose. <laughs> I'm French, guys. I mean, you know what I'm saying? My children have inherited the fat nose. And... Um, I was like, oh, she's just got a fat nose. Her dad has a fat nose. I get it. It's all good. And he said, it's just an optical illusion that her eyes really aren't off. We're like, okay, cool, cool. Well, here we are. She's almost four, and we take her to her regular doctor, and her doctor's like, yeah, I think you might want to get her eye checked out again. So we take her back to the same eye doctor, and I won't mention their name, but... uh, Take it back to the same eye doctor, they do all their tests, and, and he's like, yeah, there is an issue. Her eye is not exactly right, and so we need to do some things in order to correct her vision. Because if not, when she's about nine years old, she might have to have surgery to correct things, and da-da-da-da, and it kind of like kept getting bigger and bigger. And so we're sitting there, and <clears throat> there's two sides of the fence that I can go on in this situation. One is I could take the, uh, the negative, the worst case scenario approach, first off, and punch the doctor in the face for not telling us this two years ago. Come on, you know what I'm saying? This is your kid, man. We specifically took her here, and now, you know, you were wrong. And now we have a bigger issue that we have to deal with. I could go that route. I could also go worst case scenario. Based on truth of the fact that she may now have to have surgery, and I can begin to embellish this in my mind and make, like, worst-case scenario, on and on and on, and then guess what? Do, 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 heart starts beating, adrenal glands start pumping, you know what I'm saying? Fight or flight or freeze starts happening, and, and, and then I can get, you know, just up in this cloud of anxiety around this issue. And I would be justified in that because there's frustration around the diagnosis that was, that was should have been better and and the timeline and now we 've got a bigger issue to deal with, or I can see it from the the, the the positive and I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking here because I'm talking about something that's based on truth, okay, The other side was based on truth, or I could say, you know what? it is what it is to a certain extent. we have our next steps to take, and we 're going to run that play and uh, and believe that everything's going to be fine, and when she 's nine, she's going to be perfectly okay, and everything's good because guess what? She might have to have surgery when she's nine and get her eye corrected, but she probably won't. And so I could spend, we could spend the next five years embellishing this and worrying and, and doing that. And it's not going to really change anything other than our relationship, worry, anxiety, right? What what Jesus is kind of talking about here, this this overly concerned, overly anxious thing. Now, I know that that's a simple example. And the reason I use a simple example and not a, like a huge worst case example is because honestly, this, these small examples are where we learn to actually trust God or not whenever the big ones come. And so we, we, we form this pattern in our life and in our thinking of worst case scenario, uh, ruminating on worst case scenario, not praying, not trusting God, but but ruminating on these things and, and almost preparing ourselves for worst case to happen. And then one day, worst case does happen. And now it feels like all of those years of worrying and being anxious are now justified. And now guess what? I have justification for the rest of my life to stay in a place of worry and anxiety, which then doesn't add any time to my life. But if you know scientifically, anxiety actually shortens your life. Does this not sound like the enemy? We got to diagnose this for what this could be. Now, again, th- there's disorders and there's different things. And so I'm being sensitive to that. But, but, but the majority of us, we sort of live in what I just described. That's kind of where the majority of people are at a lot of times it's, it's the small things that actually blow up into the big things because we're overly concerned or anxiously concerned with something and we have trouble uh, uh, directing our mind on truth directing our mind on what is good and holy. And I believe that Jesus is is sort of talking about this. He's confronting this. He's saying, What is that thing? What is that anxiety that you have about your life? Anxiety steals your joy, it kills your faith, and it destroys your hope. Anxiety just doesn't stop with the situation, it expands into bigger things, it expands into all things. You could have one relationship that goes bad, and then you transfer the anxiety and the worry from that one relationship into every relationship that you have. Whenever you get hurt or burnt by one relationship, many times people overcorrect, and then they put up a steel wall, a defense system. That way way they'll never get hurt again. And then they live 50 years without having anybody that's really close to them because they're never going to get hurt again. And that could be rooted in this this thing of anxiety, a fear of losing control in relationships. It doesn't increase your lifespan, it can short it, it doesn't fix the problem, right? It doesn't fix the problem. Ruminating on something, worrying about it, it never fixes the problem. A lot of times it, it makes you more unhealthy in the problem, which makes the problem worse, Right? But I think anxiety overall is rooted in fear, and fear is the language of the enemy. We've talked a lot in, in, in our church about fear and love, and how they are probably two of the most powerful forces. But they're also completely the opposite. And you can live your life in fear, and you can sort of communicate it in a way that seems like it's loving or seems like it seems like it's cautious living, but it's actually fear-based. And I've seen this in my life a whole lot. In the last year, there's a lot of things about the way that I've, I've thought for the previous 36 years that I'm like, man, that was so fearful. Even in how I viewed God in some things, I'm like, that was such a fear-based approach to God, because that's what happens, is it grows, fear infects every part of us, and that's what it's meant to do. One reason for anxiety in our society, though, I kind of want to just sort of get on a soapbox for just a second, if that's okay. Just give me two minutes. One, but one reason is social media. So th- there's more and more uh, research that's coming out about the, the horrible effects of social media on our society. And especially for young people. Because you've grown up with it since day one. And so your literal makeup, your body, is, it's like conformed to this this, this force this thing in our in our culture social of social media this connection to people but not real connection and it's producing massive emotional issues. I, I think it's I think it's uh, suicidal uh, thoughts for, for young people up to the age of 25 is up like 150 percent in the last 10 or 15 years. It's some sort of it's literally I know it's for sure three times I can't remember the exact uh, year but there's other stats that are out there that you can look up. But even for adults, the the amount of anxiety that's produced in our hearts and in our lives from literally being connected to something that is overstimulating us, that is controlling the way that we see and think about people and about situations, it's a major issue. Two months ago, I literally deactivated Instagram and Facebook. By the way, in case you thought I blocked you, I did not block you. Just... (laughs) I had somebody text me and ask me that. I was like, I did not block you. I deactivated those two things. You know why? I noticed over years, like, I was getting more and more worked up about things. And one day, I was having a wonderful day, great day, hanging out with friends. It was, it was just a great day. We were watching football. It was just a good day. And it was about 6 or 7 o'clock that night. And uh, what happened was somebody had posted something on Facebook about, uh, um, I don't want to get the details. They had posted something uh, really positive. And I was kind of involved with the post a little bit, but it was all positive. And then somebody went and commented. (laughs) The old comment section. (laughs) And it was the old subtle jab, you know. And my day went from awesome to completely ruined. And I'm sitting there on a chair surrounded by friends having a wonderful time and I go, boom, boom, and I look at it, and my body reacted. Anxiety, the adrenal glands started pumping, felt the heat go up the back of the head, heart's like, you know what I'm saying? All, the, all y'all know what I'm talking about. I didn't move, I didn't say anything, but internally it was like a raging like forest fire, you know? And it was at that moment I said, this is absolutely toxic, And I went that night and I deactivated. And it took about a month for me to begin to feel like. And it's been over a month, about a month and a half. And I realized that every day I was ingesting poison into my soul. And I just want to say, I'm not anti-social media. I might reactivate it at some point. You know what I'm saying? I'm not not going, I'm, I'm not like putting something on you. But what I am saying is we are all connected in some way shape or form to that, that thing or people around us are and it is producing so many internal issues in our soul in our bodies and our emotions that i don't think we're quite aware of until we detox from it for a while and then we look back and we're like my goodness i was praying about things that were going on in my mind god would you give me the victory over this give me the victory over this And after two months of being disconnected from that, guess what? My mind is like. So it wasn't some big, giant spiritual battle. It was some choices that I had to make. And I'm just using social media. Take that and apply it in different parts of your life, though. What are the things, the stressors, the irritants in your life, that are causing irritation in your soul, in your faith, in your being able to trust God. And you might need to make some hard decisions about those irritants, some difficult decisions. But social media is it's about comparison, insecurity, discontentment. Uh, it produces fear, again, which is worst-case scenario. Come on, you read about kids being abducted all the time. Guess what? You think that every kid in, is getting abducted. They're not. I talked to somebody that works in the sex trafficking industry, and this person was saying, hardly ever is a child just abducted literally off the streets. It's usually groomed from young ages, and it's actually a lot of times it's in the family that the kid is actually uh, put into those situations. But guess what? As parents of young kids nowadays, you feel like if your kids aren't within an arm reach of you, that they're going to be, like, kidnapped. We live in fear why? Mostly because of social media and mostly because of the news. Go watch ABC News tonight. Like, but you know, if you turn it on in the first, like, 30 seconds, it's like, boom. What's the guy's name? What's it cool hair? Nice skinny ties. ABC News with Moore, Muir? David Muir. David Muir. David Muir. That guy, I'm going to be honest, he's amazing. Like, he never, he like never blinks. He's just like, tonight in America, you know all hell is breaking loose, you know? And it's like thing after thing, and it's like, bam, you feel like you're getting just jabbed, you know? In Oklahoma, there's some tornadoes, California, is fire, the whole state is burning to the ground, you know? You know. And at the end, it's like, but then we have a nice story at the end about a bird that, you know, I don't know, planted a seed on top of the New York Empire State Building, and there's a tree growing on, you know? Like, your emotions are just like, you know? And then it's just like 30 minutes. It's just whack, whack, whack. And guess what's going on? We're like, seriously, the whole world is literally falling apart. And then you turn it off and you look in your house and it's like, actually, things are pretty calm here in my house, (laughs) you know? Man, overstimulation, guys, too much of everything. The highlight reel, the negativity, the news, the opinions, the expectations. A lot of the things in our life could be caused by these things. Now, again, there's a difference between anxiety and a disorder. And again, I'm not a professional up here to give you some sort of diagnosis I believe in regards to, to how many diagnoses there are in regards to these disorders, I think there's, there's literally like over 300 types of categories, and, and then there's nuances of those categories, and so um, I'm not trying to put a label out there. By the way, can of warn you about labels in your life? If you're going through something, don't go Google it, and then self-diagnose, and then begin to prescribe things to yourself, and act like, oh, I have this absolute disorder, and then begin to live underneath the yoke of that. You literally just might need to Go to bed a little bit more or change your diet a little or maybe go for a walk once a month. You know, like there might be some things that can help out in that regard as well. Okay. Not all the time, but, but sometimes it is that. So but but we, we label ourselves and then that's almost it's almost like speaking something over yourself to a certain extent. All right. I'm not a big like if you say it like, oh no, but there is a certain thing. You 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 label yourself and then you begin to live underneath that. It's like, man, You know, be slow to do that. Uh, But so let's kind of keep going with what Jesus talks about. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Why are you anxious? Not about clothing, but fill in the blank. Why are you anxious? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? And then this is a very controversial statement. O you of little faith, why are you anxious about clothing? O you of little faith. Jesus' point here is not to be lazy and not to sow or reap, but to trust God that he will provide what you need to fulfill his will for your life. Some people read these scriptures and they say, well, man, God promised to give me food and clothes forever and that's it, so I never have to worry about it. But if you begin to think, there are people, there are Christians who have been martyred. There are Christians who have not had enough food. So how do you, what's the tension in that? Well, I believe it's that God will provide your every need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus in accordance to the will that he has for your life. Which doesn't always match up with our comfort level. And So this isn't a, these aren't scriptures to cause you to, you know, well, God said it will provide my every need, so therefore I know that, I know that you know, I'm, right now I'm in a 2,000-square-foot house, but I know that the Lord has more. <laughs> and I know he wants me to have that 3,000-square-foot house. Amen. That's not what he's, that's not this. Not at all. You also have to remember Jesus who's talking about this. This is God in flesh, who's setting a precedent and literally going to be the example of these things to death, naked on a cross. So he's not promising that. He's not promising temporary things. A lot of times he's, he's talking so much higher, so much bigger than that. So, but Jesus diagnoses this type of anxiety as lack of faith. It's a lack of faith, which again, fear and faith are uh, on the opposite sides of the fence. So this type of anxiety could be lack of faith, but can also it can also be physiological. It can also be other things. But again, I think it has to do sometimes with what we mentioned earlier, this unchecked anxiety that continues to grow in our life. If you are living in anxiety right now about things going on in your life, be- begin to look back. Begin to ask this question, why am I so anxious? Where did this begin? For some, you can trace it back to a trauma, a, a, a thing that happened in your life, and everything stems from that, that one time or that one issue. It really all trace, it could be when you were a child, it could have been six months ago. I've got a friend who's, who walked through one of the worst case scenarios ever that you could imagine, and before that, that worst case scenario happened in his life about five years ago, before that, happy-go-lucky, everything was good. Just boo, And this traumatic thing took place, and it was a long period of time. And now on the other side of that, his whole body, his, his, his brain, his mind, his chemicals are all heightened because he had to live in this place of, of fight or flight or freeze for, I mean, every day for years because of what was going on in their life, their family's life. And now he's on the other side of it where he doesn't have to be in that place, but his body doesn't know it. It's a very difficult thing to do. So you can pray, you could do all these things, but yet there's still something physiological going on that also needs to be taken care of. And so for some of you, that's where you find yourself. And your next step of faith could be therapy. It could be medication. That might be your next step of faith. Because for some people, they don't want to go that route because they feel like that's not spiritual enough. And I equate that to having a broken leg and not going to the doctor or the hospital to get surgery to correct that leg so you can learn how to walk again. So let's not, let's not over-spiritualize, but, but also let's not under-spiritualize it. Because there's some people who their counselor is God. You know what I'm saying? Their, their therapist becomes their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and, and again, so we, we can't, We can't do that either way. uh, We talk about this a lot. Extremes, usually there's error in extremes. And so we've got to find that why, that that place of biblical wisdom because Jesus was about common sense as well, okay? Uh, Biblical wisdom and finding that place where we can find health. It's one of our values here at Northwood Church is health. And some of you, you need to remain on that journey to find health, spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. Because the enemy, I believe, wants to kill, steal, and destroy every part of us. The parts that you could see and the parts that you can't. Ultimately, Jesus is our source of healing, but we must seek wisdom on how to find health. 30, verse 31, therefore, don't be anxious Saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. I believe right there he's really confronting materialism again. The Gentiles, the people in the world. For us, it would sound like this. Hey, church, don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or drink or wear. Don't be overly concerned with that. That's what the world does. That's, That's what those who don't follow Jesus do. That's how they think. That's that's the state that they live in, this this elevated place of fear that they won't have enough. And it consumes them. We don't want to be like that. And this is really appropriate for the American church. Really appropriate for us. Don't be overly concerned. Don't be consumed with this. Your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But instead of that, seek first The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. If we could take out the middle spot and just kind of start at the beginning and go to the end. Therefore, do not be anxious, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So instead of worrying about your material possessions so much, focus your attention on doing the will of God and trust God for the rest. Amen. Amen. Amen, Pastor Jordan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't expect you guys to like amen me like that. That was more of a joke. <laughs> then people start like amening me too much, and then I'm getting thrown off. It's like, why are you? <laughs> You're talking a lot. I can't uh, focus here. <laughs> I believe this is where trust in God is one of the ways that we, it's really tested, how much we trust God. And those moments where you get that, that bad report, and that moment where you're not quite sure where, where your job's gonna be at in you know, a few months, where you're not quite sure, those are the moments where you feel, I know you've experienced this, where you feel yourself come up against this wall, and you know you have one or two routes to go. One is to be heightened and, and fall into fear, and the other is to, to lean into faith, and trusting God, while also making decisions and being, you know, intelligent about, about your decisions and all that good stuff. But at the same time, you can be intelligent about your decisions and also be in a massive amount of fear, right? So this is pushing up against something in our, in our lives. And the last verse here says, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Some of y'all, like this is the scripture y'all need to hear right here. Don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. It's going to be it's going to be for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What happens a lot of times is we're in 2022 and we're thinking about 2025. Right? Of course we're, we're supposed to think ahead. Right? We're supposed to think ahead. So we're thinking ahead 3 years. And then we're, we're grabbing onto that worry on that day of when that decision needs to be made or what possibly might, might happen. And we're taking that and we're just dragging it, just dragging it, 23 into 22. And we're putting it smack dab in the, at our dining room table around dinner time with the family. And we begin to ruminate and talk and, and, and worry and fear. And well, this might happen, you know, you don't want now, what you got to be careful because... And all of a sudden your kids are sitting there going, Oh no, this sounds terrible. <laughs> Did you know a lot of a lot of us have learned how to how to live like this from, from our parents, from our family. My grandma was, was full of anxiety, my I'm, I'm I'm and now I see my, my kids full of anxiety. Oh, you know, grandpa was like this, uncle was like this, now I'm like this. We learn we, we mimic. And so parents, you've got a massive, massive responsibility of how you teach your kids to walk through life trusting God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when, when Elan, whenever, that's my, our four-year-old's name, whenever we had to, we had to get her glasses, and you know what we did? We get to have some glasses. You know, like so-and-so in your class, that glasses? You kids go, oh, they're so cute, blah, 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 blah. Right? We didn't say, oh, Elon, I'm so sorry. You have to get glasses. Oh, this is so terrible. Now every day you have to worry about your glasses. It sounds small, but, but take that, come on, and expand it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. That little four-year-old is learning like, oh, this is bad. This is bad. You know, I should be worried about this. no. Why? Because our home is not going to be full of fear and anxiety about what may or may not happen. We're going to trust God. So what do I do if I'm dealing with anxiety? I want to give you some practical next steps. What do I do if I'm dealing with anxiety? Number one, I believe that we should cultivate healthy, godly relationships in our life if you If you're dealing with what we're kind of describing today and, and you're around people who are also like this, and whenever you leave being around them, you feel worse than whenever you went, those relationships might not be the healthiest for you to be around. Not forever, not permanently, not all the time. I'm just bringing up something to be aware of and cultivate healthy, godly relationships. Cultivate some, rela- whenever you do get around those people who, or that person, it might just be one, that encourages your soul, they speak life, they speak the word of God, they, they, they give you godly advice or whatever, and you walk away and you're built up in your faith in Jesus. You cultivate that relationship. Give value to that relationship. Invite that person out, right? Like text them. Like, like man, you, I need some help, you know, don't become codependent on people, that's not what I'm talking about, but cultivate good relationships in your life. <laughs> Number two, create healthy boundaries. An example would be social media. <coughs> we were just talking about this before service. Take out your phone and if you have an iPhone and go to screen time and look at how, much, uh, how many hours a day you spend on your apps and you'll be ashamed and guilty and then repent and then change. <laughs> <laughs> Six hours a day, I just look at it a couple times a day. Oh, my goodness gracious, I'm on social media more than I'm, you know, or my phone more than I'm asleep. Some of you would be really surprised. You need to go to sleep. But healthy boundaries in relationships. Again, I bring it up. Healthy boundaries in relationships. Number three, seek professional or spiritual help. And I, and I genuinely mean this. Some of you have been dealing with this by yourself, and you're in a very unhealthy place in your life. And so you read these scriptures and you pray, but you get no traction in it. It might be time to reach out to the next level, another level where you reach out. Maybe it's, a, it's, a, it's your group leader, or maybe it's a person, a mentor in your life. Uh, maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a, a literally setting up an appointment to go to therapy. A friend of mine just a few months ago, or actually now now is about a year ago, but um bad with timelines. Uh I just noticed something was off. He doesn't live around here, I gave him a call, and he was internalizing a whole lot of stuff. And I said, bro, right now, like when we hang up, you call your pastor and see if you can get a meeting with him. But, but Or also call him and find out some, some counselors in the area that you know of, or a psychologist or something that, you know, that he knows of in the area, to go talk to somebody. You need to process through this. And that was the beginning of a massive process in his life of finding healing. And God is doing an intense work in his life on different fronts. So seek professional spiritual help. Last is trusting God with a grateful heart. The Bible says this in Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your your request be made known to God. Sometimes trusting God looks like praying to him and asking him to intervene and to to change your heart and situation. But also it looks like thanksgiving. Gratitude. Y'all remember I talked about worst case scenario. And, and best case scenario, these, these two opposing things. What it looks like sometimes to be living in the positive, and I don't mean that in like some sort of self help helpy way, I mean that in the scriptural way, is to give thanks to God for what you have in your life that is good and true and just and all those wonderful things. <laughs> you give thanks, and many times you'll be surprised how much praising God and thanking Him. For what he has done in your life completely converts the situation. And it minimizes fear and it maximizes faith. I want to encourage you in that today. Trust in God. Jesus was the example for this. He was the example of this. And I think one of the greatest examples of this is whenever he was in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested. And he knew that his, his direction... The direction that he was on was the cross. He knew that it was death. And y'all know the story, whenever he's praying and he begins to sweat drops of blood, which is a condition, a medical condition of someone who's under such anxiety that blood vessels begin to burst in their head. And he was under such tension about what it was that God had for him to do, the will of God for him. But yet he stops at some point. I don't know how long that prayer was. was. What was Jesus praying But at some point he says, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. And he rested in the will of God and he gets up and then he goes with such confidence and he faces up these people. And he goes through what he went through and he did that on our behalf. He rested in the will of God to death on our behalf. And he did that so that today we can receive that same power to overcome fear and overcome anxiety i want to say something to those of you whether you are in you know anxiety just kind of generally speaking because of a lot of stress in your life or if you're in a a place where it's more chronic and a disorder in your life that there is hope and that there is healing in jesus How many of you in this room right now have have been in that place of chronic anxiety and God has done a great work in your life and and lifted you out of that place? Look around. Yeah, lift your hand up high. Now keep them up. And if you're in this place right now and you're in the middle of it, I want you just to look around real quick. I want you to see the people that God has has interjected their life, intervened into their situation. There is hope and there is healing. I'm telling you. Because the enemy wants to say this is it for you. That's right, you're 25, and you had this happen whenever you're 15, and now that's it. You're gonna live in this forever. And then he begins to insert other horrible thoughts. Well, maybe it'd be better if you weren't here. And he's just he's just tagging you. And he and he's every day. And that is the lie of the enemy. And we're exposing that today. That's what that is. That is not Jesus speaking to you, that's the enemy. But today, we're going to realign ourselves with truth, the truth of of what God says about us. We're more than conquerors, right? We don't have to be subject to death and fear because of what Jesus has done. And that's where our faith is at today. Would you bow your heads? I want to pray over you right now. God, I'm asking you right now, for each person in this place who's dealing with anxiety and fear, God, that by your spirit right now that you would begin to expose the lies of the enemy, that you would begin to help each one of us identify the root system of that, to to know, like, like you said, Jesus, why are you so anxious? God, would you give us wisdom today to understand why? And Lord, if it goes back to a hurt, to pain, God, I'm asking that you would give grace right now to begin the process of healing. In our lives Lord if it's just learned behavior and and this is how we've always lived God I'm praying that you begin to transform us and sanctify us into living a life that is not based in fear and isn't isn't riddled with this anxious spirit every lie that the enemy has spoken in the name of Jesus we agree with the truth God that you have spoken I ask right now, God, that you would begin to heal people. That you begin to heal their minds, begin to heal their hearts, heal their relationships, Father. I pray for wisdom over each person as they begin this journey. Some who have been in this for many years, God, I pray that you continue to heal them, bring them to that next level of growth and healing in their life, God. We seek health. In our lives, God, I pray that you would help us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. Lord, let us not compromise who we are in order to kind of get ahead in life. Let us not compromise truth in order to gain recognition or, or to gain uh, uh, security or control. God, right now we submit our hearts to you. Father, we thank you for what we have. The material things that we have, you are the source of them. God, the health in our bodies, you are the source of them. God, everything in our life, we thank you and we praise you. But, God, we also bring to you the very difficult things in our life right now. And we ask for your perspective in those things. God, give us grace and strength to walk, to keep moving. Direct our paths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment that's going to give us an opportunity to sort of respond this isn't necessarily the, the end of the service, just maybe five more minutes, because I think some of you, you need to take about five minutes. You need to spend some time in prayer, saying, God, what are the things in my life? Some of you, it's you and your spouse, you need to pray, you and your family, you need to pray together. Because in your home, there's an anxious spirit. There's tension. There's fear. Maybe today's identified some things, and you need to pray together as a family that God would begin the process of breaking that in your life. After service, when we're done, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, maybe in this next song, you might recommit your life to Him. I, I want to encourage you to take some next steps. And there's a, there's a card, uh, Anthony talked about it earlier, a card in the seat pocket in front of you. we would love for you to take that card, fill it out, and turn it in. The next steps area in the back of the room. We'd love to reach out to you this week and help you take some next steps. We're also, during the song, we're going to have a prayer team up front. And if you need prayer, maybe what I just said, you, you want somebody to, to pray for you, this would be a great time for you to come up and get some prayer. As we ask God to do a deep work in our hearts, amen?